0: And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Well, good morning and welcome once again to Radio 81 uh, WEDO, 1550 WZUM, the heart and soul of Pittsburgh, TubeCityOnline.com and WMCK.FM. Well, they used to call Pittsburgh the smoky city, but beginning in the 1970s and 80s, the air has largely cleared uh, with the demise of the steel industry in much of western Pennsylvania. It's cleared pretty much everywhere except for the Mon Valley. Just two years ago, the American Lung Association declared that the Pittsburgh area has the seventh worst air quality in the United States. And much of that, what is called non-attainment with air quality, has to do with some of the remaining industrial facilities, particularly in the Mon Valley and the Liberty borough Clareton area. Our guests this morning on Radio 81, WEDO, 1550 WZUM, and TubeCityOnline.com are Jody Handley. She lives in the Greenfield-Squirrel Hill neighborhood of Pittsburgh. Good morning, Jody. Good morning. And uh, Sarah Longo. And Sarah, what is your title? You uh, are working with a company called what
1: spec so I'm the operations manager for a personal air quality monitor called spec and I work in the create lab at Carnegie Mellon University which um, sponsors the breathe project and the Shenango channel
0: let's let's uh, start with you have a website first of all before we go too far
1: yes it's www.specsensor.com
0: okay we're going to talk about what the spec sensor is and if you live in the sound of my voice and you're interested in the spec sensor how you can get your hands on it and what you can do with it but first off Jody I want to talk with you you grew up in western Pennsylvania I believe in the uh, Green county area am I correct
2: I did my my school district was actually West Green which bordered on West Virginia on two sides so we are the southwesternmost corner of Pennsylvania
0: Coal country down in that corner of Pennsylvania, definitely. Um, You moved away from the area and then you came back a few years ago. And I should mention that I've known Jody since uh, I went to school with Jody's sister. That's how, how small of a world Pittsburgh is. But you moved away and you came back.
2: I did. Um, after college, I went to college in West Virginia as well. Bethany College. I moved to New York City for a few years, and I lived in San Francisco for about eleven years. And I moved back here in 2012.
0: And what did you notice about um, the air in Pittsburgh when you returned? Having lived Um, in Northern
2: California. I I didn't notice anything at first. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and thought that there was a sewage problem in the house that I was renting. And I actually called the landlord to have him rectify it. He was very worried that there was some kind of a backup. And we did all sorts of things. And then I was outside one night about a week later and I smelled the sewage smell again. This was after um, a heavy rain. And I realized the smell was not coming from inside the house, that it was actually just what the air was smelling like at that point. And over the course of the next several months, I moved here in February, so this is moving into spring when we have a lot of temperature inversions. Sure. Um, which, of course, is what I found out later is pretty much what causes the uh, is what, what makes the smell, um, uh, makes me makes unable to smell it in Greenfield.
3: Now,
0: when you say sewer it's gas, it's kind of a rotten egg-type odor. It
2: is. It's a sulfur, rotten egg smell. Um, sometimes it, it, it has a little more of like kind of an ozone pollution smell. But when it's at its worst, it's definitely a rotten egg, sulfur smell. It, it often happens right in the middle of the night at about 2.30 in the morning. I can actually look at the clock and guess that it's going to be 2.30 when it happens. And uh, with some regularity, and often it's bad enough that I would go around the house in the summertime with all of our windows open, trying to get a breeze, and close all the windows in the house because the smell was unbearable.
0: Have you been able to track down where the smell is coming from?
2: Yes, actually. Um, I started complaining to the Allegheny County Health Department on their website, uh, logging complaints, and I complained often enough, but I did get a call back. And basically they told me straight up that it's coming from the Clareton Coke Works, which is about 12 miles uh, upriver, uh, south down in, um, of course, Clareton. And I actually started at that point becoming much more involved with paper quality initiatives here. Uh, it, if it's bad, if it's this bad in Greenfield and Squirrel Hill, the folks in Clayton are certainly not getting uh, much better than that.
0: We, we can debate the, the merits of, of whether or not um, coke is a good thing or byproducts plants are a good mm-hmm. thing. Obviously, the, the plastics um, that we enjoy, a lot of them are made out of the byproducts of coal. Um, but certainly as someone who grew up in, in Liberty Borough right across the river from the Clareton Coke Works, I'm, I'm well familiar with the smell that you described. Um, the Hazelwood, uh, what they call the Almano Project site now, which mm-hmm. was the LTV Hazelwood Works. I can certainly remember going past there when that coke plant was operating, and it's, it's a it's an incredibly um it, it throws off a, a, a lot of pollution i don't know how else to say it and of course there is also a coke plant uh over on neville island um that for folks who live in that part of pittsburgh have certainly had the same uh sort of experiences with the uh what what the old timers over there it was pittsburgh coal and coke what the old timers in Coryopolis and neville island used to call pittsburgh um choke and smoke i believe was what they <laughs> called it uh so what happened then you got involved with some of the local air quality groups um what are some of those groups and i know you're not an official spokesperson for any of those
2: no um coincidentally you know i found the breeze project on facebook because that's where we find each other these days sure and coincidentally a woman that worked with them uh lived literally right around the corner for me and so we started talking she's the one who actually brought me to the a meeting in clareton and i started meeting with the achd uh, Allegheny County Health Department, and talking to them about my experiences, and attending more meetings in general. And it uh, really it, it was it was pretty terrific. We ended up meeting with uh, Corey O'Connor's chief of staff last fall, um, and he hosted a post agenda, which is basically a meeting at, with city council, more or less expressing deep concern for a particular issue. And you know, we had several people come in, some from the Green Project, some from one from ACAN, which is the group that uh, works. Uh, that lives over in the Shenango area, like you were saying, Yeah, and then um, uh, some folks from the ECHD, and basically putting forward a lot of data that's showing that Pittsburgh has cleaned up compared with the 50s, but is nowhere near where a lot of cities are these days when it comes to air pollution.
0: Jo- jo- um. Jody Handley is on the phone with us right now. She's a resident of the uh, Greenfield-Squirrel Hill area of Pittsburgh, and we're talking about air quality. I should disclose, I try to be honest with people on this program, I should disclose that in addition to having known Jody for many years, um, I am I'm also a stockholder in U.S. Steel, uh, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm working both sides of the street here, so if you, you think, uh, geez, this guy is not impartial, all he wants to do is bash uh, the steel industry, no, that's that's not exactly true either, because uh, I, I can see both, sides of this, or at least I think I can. Sarah, I want to bring you into this. Sarah Longo works in the CREATE Lab at Carnegie Mellon University. I should disclose that conflict of interest too. (laughs) In my day job, I am an employee of Carnegie Mellon University. Sarah, tell us what the CREATE Lab is.
1: Sure. The CREATE Lab stands for Community Robotics Education and Technology Empowerment. So there are um, almost 30 engineers that work in the lab to develop projects where we make technology accessible to people who might not normally have access to it. So that means creating projects for children to be introduced to robotics, um, creating a project called Hear Me, where um, the voices of high school and middle school children are, to, are heard in Pittsburgh, and they connect with people like the chief of police in Pittsburgh to be able to resolve issues. Um, and of course, we work a lot on environmental issues, including air quality, so we have this spec, which is a personal air quality monitor, and my primary responsibility within the Create Lab.
0: Uh, We had a couple, we heard we had last week actually, we had a couple folks from SLB Radio Productions uh, on with us and I know they've done some work with the Create Lab as well including on the Hear Me project and on the story boxes that I believe the Create Lab (laughs) did so. So it's not just uh, uh, robots and it's not just uh, high technology, it's also sometimes Things that seem very low technology, but are very empowering right. for people. That seems like a good place for us to take a quick sixty second break. When we come back, I want you to talk to me about this spec monitor. Yes. What it does, and then um, how people like Jody are using these spec monitors. Okay. Sounds great. Uh, we are talking this morning to Sarah Longo from the Create Lab at Carnegie Mellon University, and on the phone with us right now is Jody Handley, is one of the. Do you want to call yourself an activist, or is that a loaded term? <laughs> is fine with me. Okay, activist and, 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 and concerned about uh, air quality in her neighborhood. We're going to take the 60-second break. We'll be right back here on Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 WZUM, the heart and soul of Pittsburgh, WMCK.FM and CityOnline.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: Support for this broadcast comes in part from the McKeesport Hospital Foundation. Since 1976, the foundation has addressed key concerns that affect our good health, as well as our education, social needs, recreation, safety, and security. The foundation partners with UPMC McKeesport and other agencies to eliminate barriers to all services for all residents of the Mon Valley. Visit mckhospitalfoundation.com or call 412-664-2590.
0: And we're back here on Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 WZUM, FM and Tube City online.com Our guests this morning are Sarah Longo. She works in the Create Lab at Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, we're talking about some of the technology that has come out of there, including what is called the Breathe Project, and I want to get in a little bit more into that. And on the line with us right now is Jody Handley, who is a homeowner and a resident of the Greenfield-Squirrel uh, Hill neighborhood and has two small children and is concerned about the air quality. She moved away from the Pittsburgh area, which uh, we keep telling people that the skies have cleared over Pittsburgh. But uh, as as folks who live in the Liberty Borough, uh, Clareton, Glassport area knows, they're they're not always uh, entirely clear. Um, Sarah, before we took the break, you mentioned the Breathe Project. What is the Breathe Project?
1: Yeah. So the Breathe Project was created out of Carnegie Mellon um, Create Lab, and I don't know if you noticed, but earlier this weekend or earlier this week, the Breathe Project released a photo of Pittsburgh. Um, So they have cameras on very high points in Pittsburgh where you can see the city and you can see the skyline. Um, If you looked above the clouds, you could see clear blue skies. And if you looked below, you could see a cloud full of smog. It was gray. Um, It was gross. It looked very similar to the air quality like you would see in Los Angeles and in China. So the brief project brings awareness to people about Pittsburgh's air quality issue.
0: It's interesting to me as a history buff that Pittsburgh was, because it was the smoky city, especially in the 40s and 50s, um, that it was one of the first places in the country to actually have awareness of uh, air quality uh, problems and, and trying to clean up some smoke. But now, in 2015, it seems, uh, and I'll bring Jody back into this conversation, Um seems like maybe we've lagged a little bit. You lived in northern California. We hear a lot about the, the smog in southern California and Los Angeles, as, as Sarah alluded to, but what was the air quality like in northern California, Jody?
2: Well, in San Francisco, which is where I lived, it was very clear. We had the benefit of really strong Pacific winds that carried any kind of car pollution right over the bay, uh, Oakland was not so fortunate. There were <laughs> days where... <laughs>
0: so you <laughs> mailed it to Oakland, haze then, is what you were Oakland, saying. yeah. Yes. Well, they are Raiders fans over
2: there. They deserve all the yeah, pollution, so. I get. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, we could see the haze over the bay a lot of the time. San Francisco's air quality was great. But there's a really strong infrastructure there as well. There's electric buses, and um, they also had something called spare the air days. So on days when they knew that it was going to be unusually hot, uh, they would encourage people not to use their cars by actually making mass transit free for the day. Um, So there were a lot of things that happened in in California and in San Francisco to make people much more aware of what the dangers were, and and everyone was pretty aware that we could see it, but the air quality was also really pretty good, and there certainly weren't very many days that um, I, I would be waking up. There weren't any days, really, where I'd be waking up in the middle of the night smelling sulfur.
0: Growing up in McKeesport, you know, and especially uh, sort of the tail end of the, the steel uh, mill era in, in McKeesport and Duquesne, um, you know, the old timers, I, I, I'm starting to sound like a real old fogey, but the old timers used to say that smoke <laughs> meant money, that, you know, that they, they saw that as, as, as money. You're, you're not against industry, are you, Jody? Oh, no. I
2: mean, I, I love steel. <laughs> I really do. And I know that... Uh, that- the steel built Pittsburgh to a certain extent, and I, I love buildings that are built out of steel. It's a it's a wonderful material. And I, I know that a lot of western Pennsylvania in general is still dependent on industry in general and certainly still dependent on fossil fuels. I mean, coal is not what it used to be, certainly, coming from Green County. I see that all the time. Um, natural gas is, is still really important. But I think that... With technology being what it is these days, we can be a leader, really, in industry to try to clean up, and we, it's not, we're not saying we don't need steel anymore, but there are things I, I know that we can do to clean the air so that it's a safe place to live.
0: So, Sarah has brought with her, and, and this is one of those rare occasions when I, I wish this was a TV show rather than a radio mm-hmm. show. Sarah has brought with her one of these spec sensors, and in fact, we're going to, as the kids do, we're going to unbox this sensor. So, it's the size of it's, it's Kleenex, like a Kleenex box, yeah, or yeah. a GPS. Okay. So, take it out and show me what this uh, is, and I'll describe it for folks.
1: Sure. So, here's the actual air quality monitor. Okay. Yep.
0: It's kind of cute, actually. It looks it like an iPod small. dock or something. It does. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) and there's a cord, so it will work as soon as you plug it in. You don't have to press an on button. You don't need to take any extra steps in order for it to work.
0: Okay, so it's got like a USB-type charging port on the side, Mm -hmm. and you say I can plug this in.
1: Yep, and it will start giving you real-time readings of your air quality. All right, this is
0: exciting radio, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad you tuned in for... (laughs) And it says designed and assembled in Pittsburgh, PA. That is true. So it is actually uh, made in Pittsburgh?
1: Yes, it is. Just north of the city is our manufacturer, and we calibrate each device on Carnegie Mellon's campus. Cool.
0: Okay. So uh, now it pops up. It's got a little screen. Like I said, it looks a lot like an iPod dock or something, but the Mm -hmm. screen that pops up looks like the the thermostat in in my house. And it says 97... C, good. What does that mean?
1: Yes. So the spec gives you a reading of counts, which is the particles per liter of air that are being pulled in through the air intake, which is the hole on the very bottom of the spec. So when you plug it in, there's a fan that runs constantly. It pulls air in through the intake, and there's an optic sensor that will shine light over the number of particles, and the sensor will read the number of particles per liter. And it'll show you a count of those particles every single second.
0: So. Now, I would hope here in my office that the air was good quality, and, mm-hmm. and um, h- how long does it take for it to sort of acclimate itself to its environment?
1: Yeah, so typically after a full day, it will stabilize, or even a couple hours, it will okay. stabilize.
0: Jody, you got one of these, and, and what are you doing with it?
2: I have it in my bedroom upstairs. Um, a lot of, There's a lot of different kinds of um, indoor air quality, as I've been learning as, I, as I've talked with Tara and, and the folks at the Create Lab. When you cook dinner, for instance, that's going to go up. There's a lot of more particulate matter in the air oh, sure. when you're cooking, steam and all that kind of thing. So we kept it in our bedroom to see what would happen um, over time that we could watch it. And it, it's actually kind of it, – it's really fascinating and a little embarrassing because <laughs> um, we realized we, – we have a wall-to-wall carpeting in our bedroom, and when I would, I would walk in, and I could see from a distance that the number would be somewhere in the hundreds, which is pretty low – And then I would walk in and say, I don't know, put a blanket on my bed or something. And just the act of kicking up dust in the carpet would make that number start to climb.
0: Sure. Jody Handley is on then, the... I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm just going to reintroduce you. Jody Handley is on the phone. She lives in the Greenfield, uh, Squirrel Hill neighborhood of Pittsburgh. She is an air quality. We'll call her an activist. That's a little bit of a loaded term. She's a, but she's an air... We'll call her someone who's concerned about her her air quality and her family's air quality. And Sarah Longo from the Create Lab at Carnegie Mellon University. And We're talking about um, the SPEC sensor, which is a way, uh, finally, for people who have no real scientific training, like me, uh, to monitor their, their indoor air quality. So tell us again, you were... You, when you walk in and it kicks up the dust and
2: yeah and you can see the number peak and uh we did a pretty thorough cleaning actually of (laughs) our
3: stairs
2: and and the number went down Uh, (laughs)
0: oh joey yeah that well i'm sure that in in my house probably too um sarah what are we i mean the count that you said And we've had uh, Dr. Karen Hacker on this show a couple of times to talk about air quality and other public health issues, but what does this count? Tell me, what are we measuring?
1: So the count tells you the particles per liter of air okay. that get pulled in through the intake.
0: What size are the particles?
1: The particles are about 1 30th the diameter of a strand of hair. So they're so small that you can't see them. Well, those are the ones that are most harmful okay. to your health. So when you breathe them in, instead of getting caught within the hairs in your nose, they get deep into your lungs, they attach to your cells, and it can get into your bloodstream. So when you think about standing next to a bus that's exuding pollution into the air or living next to... Um, a coke plant like Jody might, you can think about what it's like to breathe in particles like that. It it could be very hazardous to your health.
0: Um, So are are the visible particles actually more harmful than the ones we can't see, or or are they just as harmful? Um, I I know you're not a doctor.
1: No, but there is data, and there are studies published online that the fine particles, the ones that we are measuring with the spec, are the ones that are the most harmful, because those are the ones that get into our bloodstream. Typically the larger dust particles settle to the ground faster and they're, unless you're literally have your face on your carpet and you're sucking up yeah. dust then you don't typically interact with those um, so the fine particles are the ones that are the most hurtful.
0: These are the 2.5 particles that people, maybe yes. if they read the health department news releases and stuff, that they've seen the 2.5 PM, I think it's yes. called. Yes, yeah. so
1: 2.5 micrometers in diameter or okay. smaller.
0: So 1 30th of the size of a human hair. That's right. But they are, when they when they are in a big cloud like that, you can, they are visible to the naked eye.
1: Yes, okay. if it's large, if there are enough that you can see it, and that, that includes,
0: happen. like you said, buses, mm-hmm. diesel trucks, diesel cars, um, people burning waste. I'm right. assuming
1: candles. Oh, even Anything. candles! Mm-hmm. Any combustion activity causes fine particles. So smoking, burning incense. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Okay, we're going to talk about how people can get their hands on one of these spec sensors, which are made in the Pittsburgh area and designed at Carnegie Mellon University. We have one more. Uh, 60 second break and then we'll be right back our guests this morning are Sarah Longo from the Create Lab at Carnegie Mellon University, we're talking about the spec sensor and the Breathe project and Jody Hanley who's a resident of the Greenfield Squirrel Hill area who is one of the consumers, one of the users of the spec sensors. You're listening to Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 WZUM, the heart and soul of Pittsburgh WMCK.FM and TubeCityOnline.com Stay tuned, we'll be right back
3: Support for this broadcast comes in part from the McKeesport Hospital Foundation, celebrating 36 years of supporting community health programs and services for you and your family. The foundation works with UPMC McKeesport as well as through the Mon River Fleet Partnerships in Braddock, Clairton, Duquesne, and McKeesport. If you would like to make a donation to the McKeesport Hospital Foundation or find out more about it, visit mckhospitalfoundation.com or call 412-664-2590. You're
0: listening to Two Rivers, 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media, Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. And we're back for a final few here on Radio 81 WEDO 1550 WZUM WMCK.FM and TubeCityOnline.com. Our guests this morning Jody Handley and Sarah Longo, we're talking air quality and we're talking the Spec Sensor that was uh, d- invented and designed at Carnegie Mellon and is made in Pittsburgh, Sarah. Can you give us the website for the Spec Sensor again?
1: Yes, it's www.specsensor.com.
0: So, how does one get their hands on one of these Spec Sensors and and what do they cost?
1: So, it Direct costs $200 on our website. So mm-hmm. if you visit our website, you can buy one directly off of there. Um, we also offer these in the Carnegie Library system. So the specs are in 19 libraries across Pittsburgh. So if you weren't ready to buy one um, or you couldn't you afford can it, borrow one and you try can borrow it out. one like a book from the library. That's right. <laughs> All right.
3: And,
0: and what does the data then, I, I, Jody, what do you do with the data, for instance? I mean, what's the highest reading, for instance, that you've seen on your spec sensor?
2: The highest reading that we've gotten so far was um, from insulation, actually. We recently got um, that kind of fine particle insulation yeah. in our attic, which is, you know it's kind of blown in and it's made of recycled newspapers and, and cloth and stuff, and it's great insulation. Um, but my husband had to go up there and putes it a little bit, and after it had been installed, and he came down and he was wearing a mask. And he actually came down out of the attic and saw that the spec sensor was reading in the seven thousands.
3: Wow, which
2: <laughs> was pretty sobering. Um, and what we want to, what I would like, what I want to do, and I haven't gotten around to it, um, embarrassingly, is plug it into my computer, and I think Sarah can probably talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Look at what the, look at what the patterns are, because I would like to see, um, you know, what time of day it tends to be higher and that kind of thing. You know, we don't have pets. We you don't, don't
0: have pets. You said we got a little beep there. Yes, pets, uh-huh.
2: and uh, we don't smoke, so there. You know, any kind of particulate matter that's really coming from inside our house is probably going to be dust or something like this insulation. So what I would, what I want to do, and I've had it for a couple of weeks now, is plug it in and really look at it to see if any of this kind of matches up with when I'm noticing the odors in the air, and and that kind of thing. I think that this kind of thing is really valuable for places like schools and. Um, Sarah talked to me about something that, that, that one school did with, with buses, tracking that, and it would be interesting to see even in public places where people are smoking, um, things yeah. like that, like how – it has it, it a nice number to say this is not good for us and this is something that, um, that we can
0: fix. You know, that the, the indoor air, we've had um, Angelina Christina from the McKeesport Housing Corporation on here to talk about lead paint abatement and about lead paint safety. And one of the things that she talked about was, you know, any kind of drilling activity. If you have an older house, it <laughs> kicks up that dust. What you're talking about is, is one of the same things with the insulation. Um, of course, those, uh, as Sarah was saying, those very fine particles can get caught in your lungs and um, can, can cause all kinds of health problems down the road. So tell us, you were telling off the air about a, a case study somewhere?
1: Yeah, so we had a uh, middle school in Salt Lake City borrow um, about 10 specs, and they used them next to a window where their buses and the cars would idle in the morning. So, whenever all the kids would come to school, they would get dropped off. Lots of parents would um, drop their kids off and stay in front of the school for a certain amount of time. So, what the students noticed was that they were coughing a whole lot. They were using the specs to collect handwrite, collect data on what was happening whenever the buses were there, whenever the buses left, and then whenever the buses returned. So what they did was create, um, realize that their air quality was terrible whenever the cars and the buses were idling um, in the morning and in the afternoon. So what they did was create an anti-idling campaign with their parents. Uh So they drafted a sheet. They learned how to talk about air quality with their parents. They took that sheet home, had their parents sign it, and it resulted in... More parents carpooling, turning their engines off whenever they were in front of the school. And they used the specs to compare the air quality before the anti idling campaign and after the anti idling campaign. Um, and what they saw was a statistical drop in the number of, in the amount of pollution that was inside of their school after the anti idling campaign. And that was middle school children who were able to. Sarah, what is
0: your background? Just out of curiosity.
1: <laughs> so I'm Are you from the area? Or? I am from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, born and raised, most of my family is still here. I went to Allegheny College, had a biology degree, and accidentally fell into business and um, now work with the spec at Carnegie Mellon. So
0: so with a biology degree, it, it, it strikes me that one of the things about the scientific method is, number one, you want repeatable results, but number two, you have to measure things consistently over a period of time and what it sounds like the kids in salt lake city in that example were doing where they had the spec monitor and they were measuring the same thing over a period of time that's
1: right same time of day so that they could make conclusions and learn about what was happening in their environment
0: this is a little bit like what they call citizen science then
1: yes so we love for people to be their own scientists and to be empowered to take control of what's happening in their home.
0: Uh, Jody. in the last couple of minutes that we have here, um, what are you doing uh, going forward then uh, to to work on these air quality issues in the Pittsburgh area?
2: Well, one of the things that I'm really trying to do whenever I can is is speak publicly when there are meetings with the ACHD and in any kind of forum where people are are there to listen. And that's why I'm so glad to have this forum as well. The one thing that I keep trying to tell people is report it. If you smell something, say something. There's a website ACHD, you
0: can go on there. <laughs> it's like the terrorism and- <laughs> thing, isn't it? If you see something, if you smell something, say something. Okay.
2: If you smell something, say something. Yeah, okay. Um, one of the things that I've heard over and over and over again from the ACHD in the last two to three years is we need more data.
3: Mm-hmm. We
2: need more reports. And I was shocked when I spoke with Corey O'Connor's office, and they said nobody's ever told us about this as being a problem.
0: I know you're not a spokesperson for any particular group, but what are some uh, groups that people can get involved with if, if they have an interest in this?
2: Well, the Breathe Project is a great uh, resource for information. I definitely recommend following them on Facebook at the very least. Okay. There's a group called ACAN and uh, ACCAN, Allegheny County Clean Air Now.
0: There's also a, a group that I think had a strong McKeesport connection that I think is still around, and that's uh, the Group Against Smog and Pollution, or GASP. Yes, GASP. Okay.
2: Yes, okay. GASP is also um, a great one.
0: Very interesting. I think we've only scratched the surface of this, but unfortunately, we are just about out of time. Our guests this morning were Jody Hanley, who lives in the Greenfield Squirrel Hill uh, area of the city of Pittsburgh, and we were talking about uh, her interest in air quality for her and her family. Jody, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us. Thank you. And Sarah Longo from the Create Lab at Carnegie Mellon University. We are talking about the spec sensor. Uh, you can find out more by going to breatheproject.org or specsensor.com. You can also find the Breathe Project and the spec sensor both on Facebook if you're involved with Facebook. Thank you, Sarah.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: And thank you all for listening this morning to Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 WZUM, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes. Copyright 2015, Tube City Community Media, Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media, Incorporated, WEDO Radio, 810 Incorporated, or those of AM Guys LLC, WZUM 1550. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution or find out how you can underwrite this program, please visit our website at TubeCityOnline.com and click on the Donate link. You can also get a free subscription. Description to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport PA 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. we